Well, I'm so glad that I get to be part of a church that does not believe the lie that the church, big C, cannot make a difference. That, uh, unfortunately, I think a large percentage, uh, not just those outside the church, but even those inside the church, believe that uh, the church primarily exists to gather for an hour on a Sunday morning, sing a few songs, and then listen to some preacher talk too long. Well, the last part might be a little true, but (laughs) other than that, I'm thankful to be part of a church alongside you all that believes that for two millennia since Jesus rose from the grave and started his church, that the church has existed to make a difference. For example, if you're in healthcare here this morning, it was Christians that came up with hospitals for those who couldn't afford doctors, personal doctor care. As early as the fourth century, monasteries took care of the sick because the church believed it existed to make a difference. Or if you're in education, education institutions were started to teach people to read and to read specifically God's word, the Bible. Or if you're involved in the creative arts, it was the church that commissioned the very first art, that uh, the arts exploded on Western civilization because of the church. And, and if you think back to humanities and, and those tests that you had where you had to remember those paintings and statues and cathedrals, it was the church that did this. Orphanages. Orphanages came about because of the church. You see, in ancient Rome, when the church started, parents wanted boys, and so they would leave little girls in the woods to die. But Christians would go out into those woods and rescue those babies. In fact, that's where adoption comes from. Adoption comes from the church. Because if your faith is in Jesus Christ, then 2 Corinthians 6.18 says of us, that then we are adopted. We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. And so that's the difference that the church has existed to make, and we recognize today that that difference still is what we exist to make in our own community as a church, through serve together groups and grow together groups that serve, and through our involvement uh, through uh, our local elementary school of Parsons and Club 305, our after school program, and things like our Adopt-A-Block ministry and the Jumpstart Back to School Clinic and the community food drive that Pastor Josh has referenced that we're gonna be a part of here in the days ahead, together as a church, we exist to make a difference. And then, yes, that's us together, but then we're also representatives of that as individuals in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, on the ball fields, in the stands, that we are called to make a difference in being the church. And that this gathering here on an hour on a Sunday morning is not the end in of itself, but we could say is a place where we give all the credit and the glory to the God who infuels us to go and make that difference. And so we could say kind of the charging station that empowers us for another week to go and represent Jesus Christ well as his church together. And so that's the truth, that even with all its imperfections, the church, uh, Jesus chose the church, uh, the local church and local communities to do as we just prayed here a few moments ago with communion, to be an expression of his will as it would be ideally in heaven to live that out here on earth. And we do that by furthering his kingdom, empowered by his uh, spirit and all for his glory. 
And over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Wayne, uh, if you haven't been with us, he's been sharing the vision that, the, um, that God has laid on us as leadership as a church and how we practically as a church are being called to further his kingdom by his power and all for his glory. And the way in which uh, he's called us to do that, we believe, is this uh, vision called 10, where we are, as a church, aiming to reach 10% of our community for Christ. Uh, And we understand it this way, that there's uh, more than 100,000 in our community, and with that, about 3% of our community would call First Christian Church home and are currently engaged with the ministries of here. And so, really, what we're looking to allow God to do through us is that 3% of our community would reach 10% of our community, that ultimately, we would have an impact on the 100% of our community here in Decatur. And so as uh, we wrap up this series, but really move into the future of that here today, uh, we're going to look to the book of Acts in the book of Scripture, the holistic book of Scripture. Um, And so I'm going to invite you to uh, turn there in your Bible if you have one. If you don't have one, you should be able to find one in the pew rack in front of you. And um, if you didn't just like forget yours at home and you don't have a Bible at all, then we'd invite you to take that uh, as your own, as uh, our gift from us to you to have a Bible of your own. And so we're going to pick up uh, the bigger story here of Acts and try to discover in the story of the beginning of the original church that we now uh, understand as the church worldwide that all started here in the book of Acts. We're going to look and discover for us as a church uh, locally, some transferable principles as we look to how Jesus started his church and some transferable principles that he's calling us to continue in our vision for our local church and our local community. And so the bigger story of Jesus and his church, Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. In my former book, now let me stop there. And some of you are like, man, can't he just read a verse, one verse without... In the former book, see the book of Acts is actually the second book following one of the four gospels and more specifically the gospel of Luke and that Luke wrote the gospel of Luke but then Luke also went on to write the story of Acts, of course empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, which is really the sequel to Luke and a sequel to the gospels if you will. And so you've got the gospels which include Luke which were four biographies of the same story Jesus' life, his ministry, his death, and then his resurrection. And then the book of Acts is really the transition or the handoff, if you will, where Jesus gives um, to the disciples the mantle and the vision of going and starting uh, the church. And so how Jesus does this, following the Gospels and going to Acts, is he spends 40 days with his disciples after rising from the dead before going back into heaven to give them the final instructions and understanding of what it's going to mean for them to start the church. And then we see the story of that laid out in the book of Acts. So... Let's try that again. Verse 1, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus. One more thing. (laughs) You want to know who this guy is. Theophilus, um, while it may have been an individual, really the the word Theophilus means one who loves God. And so this book of Acts is written to anyone and to all of those who love God. So hopefully that's most of us here today and who want to follow him. It said, this is the audience. This is for you. Read this. Okay. Verse one, take three. (laughs) Action. In my former book, Theophilus, I... Now, I hear... I'll stop. I'm just, okay. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, talking about Luke, until the day he was taken up to heaven. 
after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Okay, now that statement, that truly is where we start. In fact, when it comes to anything we do as a church, this is always the common denominator. This is the why, you could say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the why behind 10 or any what we might ever endeavor on as a church. Because every one of us, in fact, is here today because of that. Because either we have accepted Jesus Christ as alive, or at least willing to explore it enough to show up, that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is in fact for real and that following him is for real. And so Jesus Christ is our why. Verse three continued. He appeared to his apostles over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, if the why is Jesus Christ, then the what would be the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what he came to teach and preach and to further. In fact, that's what it says in Matthew 4, 23, that Jesus came preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom here, that word could really just as easily be translated uh, the way, and that, that the way of God or the kingdom of God is different than the way or the kingdoms of this world. That the world in its fallen state has a certain way or a certain paradigm, and God has a completely different way, a different paradigm, another kingdom in which we want to live by. And part of what we do here actually each week on a Sunday morning is to help remind us and differentiate between, oh yeah, this is the world's way, and we are reminded as we gather in the spoken word and the songs that we sing that, oh yeah, this is God's way, and it's different than the world's way. And again, that really is what this vision of 10 is all about. That as we encounter and want to push back on the world's understanding and the world's way in our own community and push back on negative frameworks and understandings like the armpit of Illinois, we want to push back on that and push forward instead God's way, God's kingdom that says that the people of our community are created in his image and that the people of our community are loved by God and want a relationship with them. And so again, we as the 3% represented here are called to, and other churches as well, are called to represent that different kind of way, that different kingdom, uh, in Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount, by being a light on a hill that cannot be hidden. We're to be a light on a hill. Now, I think the metaphor breaks down a hair bit in our flatlands of Illinois, but I don't know if we have to go build a hill. I don't know how high the blue mound is, maybe... We could put the light there, I don't know, but you get the point, that if we understand that we want to pursue what God has called us to do in reaching 10% of our community, we know why. We gotta always be tethered back to the why, and that is Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is alive, that he came back to life, offering to us, or to anyone who would place their faith in him, a new life, both here in this earth and all for eternity. And then what that what looks like is namely the kingdom of God or the way of God first lived out in our own lives and then expressed out as, again, a light on a hill for our community. But that's the why and that's the what. The last question, really what we want to answer today as we, as we bring this series to a close and move into what God's calling us to go and actually do and be is how. The how. How now do we go about pursuing this vision that God has called us to as a church? 
And again, Acts chapter 1, the beginning of the church, helps us with that. So pick it up again with me in verse 4. It says, on one occasion, actually the last occasion on these 40 days, while he was eating with them, Jesus eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is the how. This is how you're gonna move the church forward and begin this church. Uh, that the Holy Spirit is God's, what that is, is God's living presence among all of us. And what came to the disciples in the next chapter, Acts chapter two, even specifically on Peter, the disciple, who preached a sermon where because of the power of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people came to Christ on that day, and those 3,000 were the beginning of what we now understand worldwide as the church. And now, 2,000 years later, we have now the vision and the mantle to carry that forward, to be continuers of the church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. And so the how, how do we do that? It's by being attuned to God's Holy Spirit and his power that we are ensuring that we are appropriately continuing, that you could say appropriately replicating the transferable principles and the truths of what the church is to be rather than doing it in our own strength and doing it in our own power and as a result, failing. To illustrate a little bit how um, this works, how many um, Pinterest accounts represented in the room here this morning by a show of hands? All right. I don't have one. I was just showing you how to raise your hand. <laughs> but my wife has a, an account, and she shows me these things. I mean, if you're not familiar with it, basically it's kind of the social media space where you kind of have these ideals of what you, your home can look like or like, you know, how you get your whole, all your kids and family in one unified theme for Halloween or like uh, Jessica was showing me the other day, like 17 simple honeydew projects that any decent man could knock out by breakfast on a Saturday. <laughs> It's like, who am I, Ty Pennington? <laughs> anyway, the other night, we're sitting on the couch, and she was showing me uh, these things, these Pinterest fails, if you will. Has anyone ever seen any of these Pinterest fails where they show this ideal of uh, this crafty, you know, professionally done deal or whatever, and then we as Pinterest novices are supposed to somehow replicate uh, what was done in its ideal format. So I got a few examples for you here today. Um, we have a nice looking minion cake there. That would be awesome to have for a birthday party. I love that it's, I just noticed this, it's on a washing machine. Probably not a good start. All right, we've got, uh, you know, Christmas is right around the corner, and so we want to have some cute baby photo ops, things, aww. Not so much, okay. Uh, here's another Christmas baby photo op. Oh, another cutie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, nice try. Okay, here, here's another. All right, we've got ourselves a little, uh, I guess you could say a caterpillar cupcake train or something. It's like a, more of a cupcake train wreck, I think. 
All right, and then my personal favorite, uh, the glow jar, pretty cool. It's just the way my sense of humor works. I just love that one. <laughs> and so we've got these people trying to replicate the ideal and the original. And the point is, is that when we, whether as individuals or as a church, when we venture out to try to replicate the results of God, we try to replicate the results of God without the faith and the trust in God's Holy Spirit to make that happen, then we are setting ourselves up for a fail, whether in our own lives or all together here as a church. And we frankly have more than Pinterest to back that up. Proverbs 19.21 reminds us that many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Therefore, Proverbs 16.3, commit then to the Lord whatever you do, whatever plans you have, and he will establish then our plans. And so the important part of this is that even with the clearest and most righteous why and what, namely Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, without his Holy Spirit being at the helm and working in and through us, then we ultimately are powerless. We are powerless without the power of God's Holy Spirit. And so that is the instruction. That is the vision that Jesus has given to his early church and that we are aiming to replicate and to move forward and to continue on in his kingdom for us as a church today. And so as Jesus lays this out and they're getting ready to rev up and go do it, uh, the uh, story continues in verse six as the disciples respond to this vision that God has laid on them for starting the church by saying this. It says that then the apostles, they, they gathered around him and asked him this question, this follow-up question, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, have you ever been in a place where you've asked the wrong question at the wrong time? This is one of those situations as we're gonna see here in a minute. Like for example, when my wife's like, hey, do you think you could do this on Saturday? And I say, who do you think I am? Ty Pennington? <laughs> you see, what I've learned is that um, you know the five love languages? Has anyone heard of that? You know, the way in which we communicate love? Apparently sarcasm, not one of the five love languages, so. All right, that one's for free today. Verse six, Jesus reveals in response to them that, that even on this final day of instruction, you know, day 40 of 40 after uh, the resurrection and right before ascending back into heaven and right before sending the disciples in to start the church, you think by now that the disciples would know the right follow-up questions to ask, but apparently not. And we're encouraged by that because we often do the same thing in our own lives. We make these mistakes. And so what Jesus is gonna point out, how really at two levels, the disciples are asking the wrong question at the wrong time. That their question is A, as we pointed out earlier, based on the world's way, it's based on the world's kingdom because what they are doing and what they're asking for is something they ask Jesus time and time again throughout his ministry. And hey, are you gonna restore a political kingdom? They keep looking at the world's understanding. They wanna uh, put together a mere political or military kingdom and they wanna do that not only by the world's way but secondly, what Jesus is gonna point out is how much more he wants to do than just their little space in Jerusalem. And so Jesus points this out by replying in verse seven. He says this, first of all, it's not for you to know the times nor the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but 
Again, being reminded of his commissioning, Jesus' vision, his kingdom, his way. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So we've talked about that. And then this is what you're going to do. This is the real vision. You are going to be my witnesses. You are going to go be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, which has proven and continues to be proven true here of the church 2,000 years later. And so in other words, what Jesus is saying to his disciples is that your vision, what you're asking, it's too small. It's too limited. You're asking for a mere political kingdom shift and you're just asking for it in our little area. And Jesus says, I'm calling you to bring a different kingdom. I'm calling you to bring the kingdom of God and not just to our neck of the woods, but to quote, the ends of the earth. And what I love about Jesus' vision for the disciples here is that we see here that God had bigger plans for the disciples than the disciples had for the disciples. You catch that? That even what they could ask and imagine, God had bigger plans for the disciples than even the disciples could come up with themselves as disciples. And so for us as a church, this is where faith is gonna be called into real action for us. That when it comes to what God wants to do in our community, but that also comes right back down to our church, right back down to your family life, to your individual life. When it comes to what God wants to do in you and through you, do you recognize and do you have the faith to believe that God has bigger plans for you than you have for you? Now we could spend all day just on that line alone. Do you have the faith to believe that God of the universe has bigger plans for you than even you can come up with for you. There's a, there's a theme verse, I would say, that's starting to, not on purpose, almost just keep, we keep coming back to as a church every time God calls us to step out uh, to, do, to, be, to do more. And that's Ephesians 3.20. And it, I would ask it of us, do we have faith in this reality of this verse in him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, even beyond what we can come up with? Do we have faith? The faith. That is going to be what's going to be put before us. That's going to be the, the bottom line in everything we do from this day moving forward as a church, as individuals, and in our community. And so we pick up this commissioning story uh, back in Acts in verse 9 uh, to kind of close our instruction as well. Verse 9, it says that after Jesus had said all this, he was then taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Anyone uh, remember the final scene of the movie The Matrix where Neo kind of supermans up into the clouds? They stole that from Jesus, just <laughs> saying. All right. After this, verse 10, says that the apostles were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And so these two angels, uh, these, are, these two guys are angels, and said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And so these angels are asking these guys, why are you staring off into space? Like literally just staring off to space. You've got work to do. You've got a commissioning. You've got a vision in which to lay out in the starting of this church. You've got work to do. Now let's get to it. 
And so that's what they do. And so for us, it's the same for us. The plans that God has for us, they are bigger plans than, than us has for us. And I know it's not right English, but I just, you know, they're bigger plans than we have for ourselves in what God is calling us to do and to reach 10% of our community through this vision 10. And it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with us as a church. And that's really important to recognize because it's been interesting over the last couple of weeks, some of the feedback questions we've gotten and saying, man, this is great. This is what the church is, you know, moving forward in. Um, but almost the next question is, okay, so what do we do? Like, how, you know, where do we come in as the church or the people in the pew? And I think it's just important to recognize and remember that anytime we talk about the church, we're not just talking about the pastors or the staff or the elders. We're talking about the church that that's all of us together, that God's calling all of us to embark on this. But I think in fairness to a good question, um, we really wanna wrap this up by putting some handles on it and just some real specificity as to what each of us can expect as we move forward as a church together in pursuing what God has called us to be and do in reaching 10% of our community. So three ways that God is calling each of us and us together uh, that he wants to, uh, God wants to be in us and through us in the days ahead. First, God is certainly calling us to go ourselves, to go and to give of our time and our energy to reach what you could say is our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Pastor BJ, our missions pastor, has uh, done some leadership with us on staff. And if you've been in his uh, Wednesday night equip class, I've, I've heard some of this understanding as well, that when it comes to reaching people, there are three groups or three contexts that we all have within our lives in which we can reach and further the kingdom of God in. Group one, we'll call our Jerusalem, our, our local people, is uh, the people who you already currently have a relationship with. This would be those closest to you. This is a family member. These are your friends, your neighbors, a coworker. Uh, really, this was the context that we encourage you to extend an invitation to on September 5th and 6th if you were a part of that weekend. And maybe you're even here as a result of that uh, particular invitation of furthering what we believe God's called us to do in our community. And the cool thing is that we had, uh, kudos to you, 96 different people represented by name who you invited uh, to church that day. And that's really just the names we captured. That doesn't even count the people who didn't sign in on a pad or a, uh, a card. So kudos to you, and we can expect more of that uh, in the future. Group two, or context two, we could say is going a little further. It's our Judea and Samaria. It stretches us a little further. And that these are the people within our sphere of, you could say, potential relationships, but there are not yet relationships. Uh, these are people that you see but don't know, maybe at the gym. People you see but really don't know, maybe at your place of work. Other parents you see in the stands at ball games or dance recitals uh, and kind of things like that. So these are the relationships we could have but don't yet have but are willing to take on for the sake of Jesus Christ and furthering his kingdom in their lives that they might know what we know and live that new life as well. And then group three, uh, the ends of the earth. This is where we take that step of faith to intentionally work through cultural differences for the sake of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether in another culture around the world, as we've been called to already as a church in our work in Kenya and our work in Cuba, or it also means a relative cultural difference to you, maybe in our, and definitely in our own community. And so 
If God is calling us to reach 10% of our community in this community, then he is certainly calling us to be intentional, calling you to be intentional in all three contexts for the sake of his name, for his kingdom here in our community. Okay, so that's the first way uh, that God is calling us to actualize this as a church in our lives. Second way in which God is uh, calling us, not just our time and our energy, but he's also calling us uh, to more than we could ask or imagine by giving of our resources, by giving our resources. And what's interesting that I've discovered uh, over the years of ministry is that when it comes to these first two, it seems that like for everyone that one tends to be easier than the other. And one seems to be more difficult in that um, for some, you know, it's just not that difficult to give some time or some energy toward furthering God's kingdom here on earth through sharing uh, an invitation or through ministry or things like that. Uh, But for others, but at the same time, uh, while you can trust God with giving some time, when it comes to your resources and the idea of tithing and giving, you know, 10% of my income to back to to God or even beyond that for special opportunities, well, that's a struggle that it's a struggle to take that step of faith. And so we'll give some attention to that in the months ahead. But yet for others, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. For some, it's easier just to write a check, and really they're a little bit more protective of this idea, and I think a part of it's our cultural valuation of what we would call my time, that we have this uh, time management vision and, or grid that we see everything through, that time is this limited resource that we can't get more of, uh, which is actually true, but we must remember that time, first of all, God stands outside of time because time is part of the created order. God created time. That's how he has no beginning and end. And then as part of that time, he has given us, he has gifted us that time as a resource to be stewarded well for his kingdom and his purposes. And so really the bottom line when it comes to these two things is that we want, if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, we want him to be the Lord of all, both our time and energy as well as our resources, not just for temporary purposes, but for God's eternal purposes. We want to submit it all to him. In fact, Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is always a good sermon to keep quoting. He said, don't store up temporary treasures on this earth but instead, recognizing that it's all a gift from him in the first place to be stewarded well, store up and invest in eternal treasures in heaven. That's the way he calls us to use our time, our energy, and our resources. And then with that, thirdly, and lastly, but really first, depending on how you think about the order of this, that uh, because really if you get this third one we're going to look at, then the first two come into place because that's the way God works and that's what he promises. And that's thirdly or first and foremost, God is calling us to be a people, all of us together, a people of prayer. A people of prayer where God is calling us to lead with faith but starting in prayer. In fact, that's what Jesus said when it comes to all this stuff. He said in his Sermon on the Mount that when it comes to uh, the resources in which you need to live on, the time we live by, he's like, he says, I know you need all these things. In fact, one of the differentiations between the world's way and God's way is he says that the pagans, the world's way, they run after and chase after things like their time and their resources and they worry about all these things. But then Jesus goes on to say, if you would just seek first my kingdom, i.e. three, and you trust me with the others, then all these things will be added on to you as well. I will take care of everything you need. And so really, if you have maybe some tension in those first two, it might be a heart check to find out, okay, what kingdom values 
am I living by? The world's and worrying and running after all these things or am I trusting God that he knows all my needs and he is going to ultimately provide and take care of them? And so um, I lost my spot in my notes because I was getting to preaching. All right. And so... That's what God's calling us to as a church, to do these three things, but we're gonna lead with the third. We're gonna step out first in faith, and we're gonna do that by being intentional as we go now, move into a season of prayer as a church. And so next week, we're gonna be in a new preaching series specifically on prayer, Pray for 10. And then for a deeper, more personal dive into learning about and then actually praying more in our lives, we're actually kicking off a brand new Grow Together small group opportunity, uh, rallying around the subject of prayer. And so I would invite you to grab um, the insert that has like the blue header. I thought I brought one up, but that's all right. You all know what it's like because you have one yourselves. I don't need it. All right, so yeah, it's got the, there you go. Yeah, it looks like this. And again, these groups, um, as we think about stewarding our time, they are a short-term commitment four sessions working on Mark Batterson's New York Times bestseller, The Circle Maker, uh, which having gone through it is an excellent study on expanding and deepening not just our prayer life, but then the results that we would expect from a deeper prayer life. And the elders have already gone through this work. And again, but it's not just the leaders. It's all of us together leading out in prayer together. And so um, if you are already in a Grow Together small group, there's no need to fill this out. You can just anticipate that in your particular group, you'll give uh, four sessions to it this fall. But if you're not in a group yet, whether uh, maybe it's been a while since you've been in a group or you're just having the opportunity to sign up for one um, or you're just newer to life of the church, this is a great way to jump in uh, to what we're about as a church by joining together for four short sessions on prayer. And even though it's a short-term commitment, I am confident that this study and deepening prayer is gonna have a long-term impact on your life and your faith. And so we uh, would invite you right now to fill that out because here's the truth of anything that we're gonna do as a church. Um, this is true of every bit of the 10 years I've been working under Wayne. We, he is never gonna call us to go wider as a church whether 10% or 10,000 people, he is never gonna call us to go wider as a church without first calling each of us to go deeper first. He's never gonna call us to go wider without first going deeper, and that starts with prayer. And so, I invite you to sign up for that right now. Go ahead and start filling that out. I'm just gonna wait until you do. <laughs> now, as you do that, uh, as we conclude this morning and we, and we wrap up this series and move into our next one and really continuation, kind of a, a part two of it all in some ways, um, I want to point out to you actually something that is shared in uh, Mark Batterson's uh, small group study here, The Circle Maker, that the big idea again, as we've already said, I want to remind you that if you could sum up everything we are heading into as a church in just one word, uh, one word, I have two fingers, one word, that word would be faith. It's all gonna lead with a matter of faith that we as individuals and together are gonna step out into faith, believing that the same God that we read about in the scripture thousands of years ago is still the same God who's leading us today. Still the same God who's gonna lead us today. In fact, to remind you, and if you're familiar with these stories of scripture, we recognize for Noah, it took faith for Noah to build an ark 120 years before rain was even forecasted. It took faith for Abraham's wife, Sarah, 
to think about this, to shop for maternity clothes. God told her she was going to get pregnant at 90. Can you imagine shopping for maternity clothes at age 90? They're for me. Yeah. It took faith. It took faith for the Israelites to march around Jericho. It took faith for David to take a slingshot to a fight with a giant. It took faith for Peter to step out of the boat. It took faith for the wise men to chase a star to go find a baby. It took faith for Jesus himself to subject himself to hang half naked on a cross. But the results of faith speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The Israelites entered the promised land. David defeated Goliath. Peter walked on water. The wise men met the savior of the world. And on the third day, Jesus walked out of that empty tomb into new life, affording to all who would place their faith in him a new life, both in this life and for all of eternity. And so by faith, we move forward. And by faith, we pray. And so I'd invite you to do that with me right now. Father, it is by faith that we have trusted that you have called us to continue to make a difference in our community, that you have called this 3% uh, to work with other churches and work with other ministries and to do what you've called us to do, to reach 10% of our community that we might ultimately impact 100% of this community, all, again, furthering your kingdom and only by your power, and for all of it, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, with that, I invite you to stand with me. And as you do, we're gonna close. I wanna read, or uh, more than read, we wanna proclaim and pray this verse we've referenced already as the commissioning as to what it is we are going as individuals and collectively as a church to go and to be and to do, empowered by his Holy Spirit. So would you proclaim this with me? Reading, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen, amen. And so may we go, be, and do as they said on the mission trip for Cincinnati in the power of uh, God's Holy Spirit. And as you go, don't forget to drop your uh, uh, four-week sign-ups in the uh, baskets that are in the back of the room. You can just drop them there. And again, if you're a guest with us today, we'd love the chance to meet you here up front. And so make your way to the front. And uh, otherwise, have a great day. Thank you.